0: Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzutti. Every week, we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeists, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal hey guys Leo Rizzuti here welcome to another episode of true paranormal the podcast it seems like this is the week that everybody is graduating high school and college and such And I'm seeing a lot of uh, folks that I'm friends with, with their feeds of pictures of their kids graduating and getting out of high school, getting out of college, things like that. So if that covers any of you guys, congratulations. I know it's been a long journey and hope that you guys have the best future possible for you. We've got a lot of uh, stories lined up for you guys. So let's go ahead and jump right into those. Our first story of the evening is a part two, a second part of a story that if you guys remember from last week, Sid started called a Maryland haunting. So we've got his part two of his story tonight. Let's go ahead and see what part two looks like. There were so many things that happened in that house that were paranormal, but you ought to know what an otherwise normal setting these were cast against. Our little farm took on a pregnant mama goat who soon gave birth to twin kids. We allowed our chicken colony to grow to such a size that my dad was able to sell eggs at his work. We raised rabbits and geese and cultivated a small food garden. That garden was my particular nemesis. My parents had sworn off pesticides as part of their whole-earth-back-to-nature thing, and that meant that another way had to be found to deal with the bugs. The way they decided on was to have me go along each row of vegetables and pick off bugs. I put them in a jar of very hot water, which of course didn't retain its heat all that long. It was a disgusting and demoralizing job, and I hated every second of it. To make matters worse, when we moved, I had only just begun to feel accepted in my old school. We hadn't lived there very long before we moved away, and now I had to start all over again, but this time with kids who seemed to be very different from me. They were very earthy. Most of them were avid hunters, for instance, while I, on the other hand, still thought all animals were friends of Bambi. Fortunately, I had always been a reader and I did find that I had a lot of time for reading in my new situation. For example, I reread The Lord of the Rings straight through at one time. Only took me a day and a half, as I recall, with no sleeping during the night. At the time, it felt like it was quite an accomplishment. But injected into the loneliness was a new thing, and it frightened me more than ghosts, probably. I was only 12 years old, after all. One of my next-door neighbors turned out to be a very nice, very cute young lady of 13 she took a definite liking to me though i didn't necessarily think that she had the cooties i was as mystified about her as i had been about the drawings in my closet it seemed you could look at her two ways only i didn't really get the second way and she seemed to get it very well she kept trying to give me hints well i wasn't really ready for that sort of thing I'm grateful to her, though I've forgotten her name, for never putting me in an embarrassing position. She was very nice, really. Unfortunately, she wasn't the only girl who began to give me attention at that time. Shortly after the first episode with the people walking around my house, I began to hear a distinctly girlish voice who would say my name excitedly in my ear just as I was dropping off to sleep. She never said anything else. but. Her amount of excitement would vary. Sometimes it sounded like she was simply teasing and having a laugh, but other times she would be quite loud and almost frantic. There I'd be dropping off to sleep and suddenly I'd hear, Sid! Of course, it always woke me up immediately and made me jump. And of course, always there would never be anyone there. I understand that this is said to be a fairly common occurrence, but I do find it striking that it never happened to me anywhere but at this house in Maryland. It must have happened half a dozen times over a two year period. Now that might not sound like much, but interspersed within that particular event were other events. Very often my bed would bounce, just like you'd get if a cat had leapt up to join you for the night. This would not have been strange, as we always had cats. but. What was strange was that there never was a cat there. They just didn't come upstairs for some reason. Not the living ones, anyway. These sort of things unnerved me, as you can imagine. I told my parents about them. Too much sugar was the answer I always got, and on top of having to endure a haunted room, I now had to forego all my favorite sweets. It got to the point that I couldn't go to sleep at night. I began to leave the light on which was a simple hanging naked bulb in the middle of my ceiling that worked for a while until i began waking up in the middle of the night to find the light had been turned off i cross-examined everyone in the house and no one ever admitted to doing it i didn't like sleeping in the dark but even less did i like waking up in the dark when i knew i'd left the light on so with a heart made numb with fear I went back to having it off for bedtime. Then I'd wake up with the lights on. I remember the first time that happened, even though I was afraid, I had to laugh. There was no way to win, but at least it was nice to wake up with the lights on, so I stuck with that method. During this time, I had many disturbing dreams. One that has remained with me since that time I think is very instructive. I dreamed that my house was filling with water which was seeping up even into my room. The bed would float, but it wasn't very stable, and in the water, I saw to my horror, were sharks. All of these experiences were building and building towards a sense of crescendo in me. I became more and more frightened through the time I was there. Two years, almost exactly. It became very hard for me to go to sleep, so much that I had to develop a ritual to assure myself that I was safe. It was a silly little ritual, but... I wasn't very old, and for various reasons, not yet the most critical of thinkers either. I used to make myself imagine the scariest thing I could and when it didn't happen, I'd be able to say to myself, see, nothing to be afraid of. I suppose that in a way it is like that relaxation technique that has you bunch up all your muscles as tight as you can, and then relax them slowly, one by one. That way you learn the difference between a taut muscle and a relaxed one. But however it worked, and it usually did, I was able to go to sleep, though it did not in fact stop things from happening. On one particular night, I got that feeling very strong. It was the same feeling I had felt on first entering the house, but I hadn't yet recognized it for what it was. I had thought of it as just a feeling of fear that I was creating myself, and not as a reaction, more than likely to something that was really there. But in my youthful bravado, I decided to turn off my lights and try my ritual. No sooner had I scrambled under the covers than the feeling ratcheted up a notch. I wasn't feeling particularly confident in my little ritual yet, and as I started it, at the last moment. Instead of thinking of something really scary, I thought the thing that lives under my bed could reach up and grab my foot. As soon as the thought had completed in my mind, I felt a definite pressure on my second toe of my left foot. A pressure that squeezed to the point of almost being painful, but not quite, gave two jiggles, and then slowly let go. It had obviously been designed to make certain I knew I had felt what I thought I had felt. On the face of it, I suppose that story's a little silly. I expect some of you might have even had a laugh while hearing it, but I assure you, had you been there, you would have been petrified with fear. I was frozen stiff. For a few seconds, my mind didn't work at all. And when it did, all I could think was lay very, very still. Don't move. Pretend to be asleep. I did that, although I did not actually fall asleep at all that night. Thankfully, it never occurred to me that whatever had done that to my toe had to have been able to read my thoughts. There were other little things that happened there. For instance, we got two collie mixed puppies who were dumb as dirt. Since it was still summertime, until they were potty trained, they stayed out on the front porch at night. One morning, we went out to discover that one of them had had a bout of diarrhea but that wasn't the strange bit. The strange thing was that they had somehow been able to spell the name Schultz with it. It didn't occur to us then that it was a paranormal thing, although it bothered me at the time. We should have taken a picture of it. It was only recently that I had figured out what was bothering me about it. It was perfect. There were no puppy footprints in it at all as there would have been had the thing been made in the conventional way as you can see all of the events that happened there had a lot to do with humor whatever it was that was going on there it had a funny side to it all the way through i've half suspected that the pretty girl next door was perhaps poltergeisting me it fits the situation well it mirrored her real world waking interest in me and she had quite a healthy sense of humor too well That finishes my story from Maryland. It's my favorite haunting story to tell, as it is so harmless and obviously good-humored, even though it was terrifying at the time. Other experiences have been either more remote or downright malicious. I suppose I'll get around to sharing those too, eventually. Wow, Sid, that was very cool. That was definitely worth waiting for part two. Um, And you're right, there does seem to be kind of a humorous side to that. And I, I kind of almost want to agree with you that perhaps it was the girl next door. You know, most poltergeists are caused by people, usually females, that are just entering adolescence, so between the ages of 12 and 15. Sometimes as old as the late teens or early 20s, but usually uh, fairly young, early teens. So it is possible that some of this was perhaps subconsciously caused by her. It would be very interesting to find out if there was any activity around her, like in her house or surrounding her, other than the things that were happening in your house uh, that would maybe confirm that perhaps it was poltergeist activity attached to her Uh, i think it's neat that you kind of drew that conclusion on your own but you seem like you're fairly well informed on areas of the paranormal so not really all that surprising i do thank you sid that was an awesome story and we really appreciate you sharing that with us okay our next story of the evening comes to us from melissa and she has titled it the others okay melissa let's see what the others is all about It was nearly 7 p.m. when we reached my friend's grandmother's house in the province near our school. We were there to spend the night doing our thesis required to finish our course. There were seven of us in a group. The house belonged to Sarah's grandmother. No one was in there aside from a caretaker who left after he handed us the key. We changed out of our school clothes and prepared our dinner. After the meal, we started to do our projects. It was already 2 a.m., when we finished and decided to get ready to go to bed. There were three rooms in the house. We were four girls and three boys, so we took the other room while the boys took the room on the other side. The other one left was Sarah's grandmother's room. Before going to bed, Andrea, one of our friends, asked Sarah about the house. She told us that she was sensitive to paranormal activity and she felt something was in there. We were frightened of what she said and told her to stop bullying us. But Sarah said that the house was known in the town as being haunted since no one really stayed there. Her grandmother was staying with her family since she was too old to be alone in that house. Suddenly, we got the feeling as if someone were watching us. It creeped us out, so we decided to try to cure it by going to our room and trying to sleep. Around 5 AM, Andrea woke me. She was chilled and could not control it. She asked us if we could please leave already, but it was far too early and we wanted to sleep late. I told her to go back to sleep. She said she couldn't and could I please just come with her outside? She just needed some air to breathe. I wanted to scream at her, but when I looked at her, she was ghostly white, as if she had no blood running in her veins. I woke up the rest of the girls. Andrea was already freaking out and crying. We went outside and Sarah gave her some water. She calmed down a little and started to tell us the story that scared us and gave us total chills to the bone. When we went to bed, we went to sleep fast since we were all tired, but Andrea could not seem to sleep. She heard noises like footsteps outside the rooms and whispering. She ignored it and tried to go to sleep. It was as if there were other people in the house, but she still fell asleep. She awakened at around quarter to four and what she told us next scared us to death and made our blood run cold. She said that she closed her eyes and tried to get to sleep, but she still couldn't. When she opened her eyes, she saw a lady in front of her, looking down at her face. She smiled at her wickedly and said, You can see us, can't you? The other people then came near around her. That's when she woke up, chilled and crying. We waited until sunrise, packed our things and went back to the city. None of the boys ever knew what had happened. No one would surely believe us, so why waste our energy telling them? After all, we were still drained when we reached our dorm. We decided that this experience would be one we would keep amongst us girls. whoa melissa that is a very creepy story and as someone who has the um i don't know if you want to call it a gift or a curse of being able to see spirits at times though not all the time uh i can definitely relate to your buddy's experience where you go into a place and you just know that there's something not right about this house or this location and Yeah, especially when you're younger, you definitely don't want to hang out there. And it sounds like she had kind of an experience that would reinforce that. So I can't really blame her for wanting to get out of there as soon as possible. Uh, I do appreciate you sharing your story with us, though. Thank you, Melissa. That was very, very cool. Okay, our next story of the evening comes to us from a listener named Terry. And Terry has titled it Poltergeist or Demons. Okay, Terry, let's see what you sent us. I lived in a second floor flat with both of my parents. When we first moved in, a neighbor told us that we should not move in there, that the flat was used for constant parties using Ouija boards. My dad did not take any notice of the neighbor at the time. I was about 12 years old. Three nights after we moved in, it started. We had a plastic runner in the hallway to protect the carpet. We had all just gone to bed when we heard something running up and down the hallway on the runner. My dad jumped out of bed and turned on the light. It stopped. My dad thought someone had broken in. He checked the flat. There was nothing, just us. He turned the light back off. I went to sleep in my mom and dad's room. Ten minutes later, Something was running madly up and down the hallway again. My dad jumped up and ran into the hallway. The running noise stopped. My dad was now standing in the bedroom doorway. He swore and shouted for it to go away, which made it angry because we heard the kitchen cupboards opening and slamming shut, and our thick mahogany chairs sliding across the kitchen floor. My mom started screaming in a state of shock. My dad turned on the lights. The cupboards stopped banging and chairs stopped moving when my dad went into the kitchen. All the cupboards were open and the chairs were in the middle of the kitchen. We had years of this. My dad was the first one to see the spirits and I was the second one to see them. There were two. My mom only heard them and never saw them, which I suppose was a good thing because if she did, she would have had heart failure. The one that haunted me the most wore a black robe with a hood and no face. He had big hands like shovels and wore a big ruby ring. He was seven feet tall and his shoulders were wider than the doorway. He looked like the Grim Reaper. The other spirit wore a white robe and was the same size as the other one and had a white ruffle around his neck. We heard voices arguing. One was telling the other one, you've had your fun. It's time for you to go now. My mom was a bag of nerves. She went to the vicar. They sent people to see if we were mad or maybe if it was real. They must have been convinced because one day later, they gave the go-ahead for an exorcism. I'm now 30 and I live in my own house. The other week, my son came screaming down the stairs saying he saw a man in his room. When he described it, I knew exactly who it was. It matched exactly the tall dark figure that I had seen as a child. My son is 10 and scared to go upstairs on his own now. I swear it's punishing me. It made my life hell for years, but i got gotten used to it. I thought the exorcism got rid of it, but now my son has seen it. I know he hasn't heard me talk about it because I just don't. It's my secret. Now it seems. My secret belongs also to my son. Wow, Terry, that was absolutely amazing. Uh, definitely sounds like you had, um, I don't know that I would label that a uh, poltergeist activity, just the activity itself does seem to be poltergeist in nature where things are moving, but it definitely sounds like you had some sort of negative entity there. I'm curious as to whether you had two of them, which it kind of sounds like you did or whether you had one, because a lot of times uh, demons or negative entities will appear black one time and then they'll appear blindingly white the next. I'm thinking specifically about the Smurl case in West Pennsylvania, where the demon that was in their house appeared to them at least once in the form of a blinding white light. So, They can take other forms, but it does definitely, especially if you heard it have kind of a conversation, does definitely sound like you had two entities there. In either case, it doesn't sound like they were very pleasant and it might have attached itself to you. So I would, before things escalate, I would see if you can find some help either from some investigators in your area or if the church has gotten involved before and you feel comfortable involving them see if they can get you guys some help from them i know the church these days is a little bit reluctant to get involved in hauntings and things of that nature but if again if you've had the experience and you've had their inclusion in these affairs in the past it might be a little more likely that they will get you guys some help so At any rate, let us know how things are going for you. We'd love to hear if there was a resolution to what you have going on. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Our last story of the evening comes to us from Joe. And Joe has titled it, An Old House and My Apartment Building. Okay, Joe, let's see what you sent to us. I was in the Navy and living ashore at Norfolk, Virginia in the early 70s. It was an old two-story house. The main floor had a kitchen, dining room, and living room. The second floor had a master bedroom that was nearly half the size of the house, smaller bedroom and a bath. One day I was in the master bedroom folding laundry. People came and went all the time. I had a couple of roommates and they had friends so the doors were seldom, if ever, locked. I heard the front door open and close and called out that I was upstairs. I heard heavy, plodding footsteps on the stairs, pausing at the bend in the middle. It was as if whomever it was was really tired and it was all they could do to walk up the steps. From where I was standing, I could see clearly down the hall to the top of the stairs. The footsteps continued to the top and down the hall towards me, but no one was there. The steps were quite audible. At the threshold of the bedroom door, they stopped. I stood there shaking like a leaf, then quickly exited the room. Sometime later, I returned home to find every light in the place was on. One of my roommates was sitting in the living room, white as a sheet, holding a poker from the fireplace in front of him. I asked him what was wrong. He said that he was watching TV when the front door to the outside began turning on its own. He asked who was there and no one answered. Then the door started shaking as if someone were trying to enter but couldn't. He went to the door and called out again but no reply. He opened the door and no one was there. Also, the screen door was closed and lashed with no breaks in the screen for someone to reach in. I told him of my experience earlier and he said he had heard footsteps as well when no one was home. He never told anyone, believing that we would probably think that he was crazy. Eventually, others reported hearing strange things as well. The old house is no longer there. It was on a spit of land which has since been redeveloped with freeways, ramps, etc. So there's no chance of revisiting the place to see what if anything is there. The apartment building in Huntington, West Virginia that I live in now has several spirits. Residents in two apartments on the other end of the hall, I live in the back, have reported seeing an old woman in a white blouse and long black dress enter their apartment, walk through, and exit. At one time, this building had a landlady who owned the place from about 1911 to 1951. This could very well be her keeping an eye on her property. Since I moved here in 1979, I am the longest living resident in the building, a three-story brick apartment erected in 1906. And people ask, you've been here a long time? Have you heard of this or that happening? One evening in the early 80s, a neighbor and I were playing cards, no radio, TV or such. Suddenly. We heard loud noises coming from his apartment as if it were being ransacked. We went to check and nothing was out of place. I've also had the feeling that someone would be watching me from that apartment when no one was living there. My kitchen windows and that one formed kind of an L shape. I named the spirit Casper after the cartoon character Casper, the friendly ghost, since it seems he means no harm and is merely being curious. And when I have the feeling of being watched, I always simply wave and greet him. There is also apparently a ghost in my apartment. It was August 2nd. It's a hot muggy night. The cat I had then, Muffy, was laying on the floor facing the closed bathroom door. This was before the internet and so I was watching TV and Muffy was in my line of vision. Suddenly, she roused herself Started a low growl, twitching her tail, and looking at the closed door, then to me, then back to the door. I told her there was nothing there. Like a scene from a cheap movie, I went to the door, put my hand on the doorknob and said, see, there's nothing in there, and opened the door. Suddenly a cold rush of air passed through me, at least 20 degrees colder than a moment before. After that, Muffy was calm again and went back to her dozing. For a couple of years, exactly on the anniversary of that date, I could feel the presence come through. Though there is ongoing activity throughout the building, at least that one hasn't been felt by me for the last few years. Wow, Joe, that is an amazing story. And to think that you've had heavy activity at two different locations is kind of wild. I can only imagine the activity that was going on that would have Navy guys kind of cowering in fear. Even though I'm a Marine and we kind of make fun of Navy folks, the truth of the matter is they're pretty hardcore guys and they're pretty tough to scare. So to think that you came home and your roommate was just kind of petrified with a poker in front of him to protect himself from whatever he thought might get to him is a little bit funny and a lot scary. So I can definitely imagine that you had some really funky stuff going on there. And it's also neat to think that you have been in the apartment building long enough that you are the resident expert, that you are someone that folks go to when they have questions about any kind of activity going on there kind of a good resource for them. And hopefully you use that uh, to reassure them that nothing's going to hurt them, that there's really nothing to worry about. Unless of course you feel like there is something to worry about. (laughs) At any rate, I do appreciate you sending in your story, Joe. That was awesome. Well guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode of true paranormal, the podcast podcast. I would like to thank Joe and Terry and Melissa and of course Sid for sharing your stories with us. You guys are absolute rock stars. And if you would like to be a rock star and have your experiences shared on our broadcast, just email us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com and we'd be glad to have a look at your story also, if you're on Facebook, be sure to check us out at True paranormal The Podcast and give us a like and send us your experiences. They can uh, message us there or you can send us an email through the links on there. You can also check out some of our older episodes and some of the other information we have on our site on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, be sure to join us this coming Wednesday when we have a live feed uh, scheduled at 7 o'clock. It's going to be kind of a question and answer, frequently asked questions type of feed. We've had some folks send in some questions to us that we'd like to get around to answering and we thought it might be a nice treat to have a kind of like friendly video forum where we can interact with you guys in real time and maybe answer some questions that you guys have either about the show or about the paranormal in general so check us out with that uh it's under our events either sign up for it there or just if you like just join us at seven on facebook it'll be a fun time for all i'm sure if you're listening to us on iTunes be sure to give us a rating and a review and make sure you subscribe to us that way you don't miss any episodes in the future lastly we are on Twitter and YouTube and all kinds of other places wherever you can find us wherever you can uh, catch up on podcasts we're probably there so be sure to hook up with us whenever you get a chance at any rate I would like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week Be sure to join us next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast.